Good morning again. In my memory bank of precious moments, you'd find February 18, 2018, filed under S for sunrises. I was on vacation in St. Croix in the Virgin Islands when a dear friend and I decided we'd get up at 5 a.m. to take a trip to Point Udall. Point Udall is the easternmost point of the United States by travel, so that you can go there if you want to be among the very first to greet the day in the country. We got in our rental car, and it didn't take long before we realized that we had vastly underestimated our travel time. And we were forced to drive a little too fast on the, on the dark and winding roads. We were fixated on that dashboard clock the whole time. And it was as if I felt like we were racing to the airport for a pre-dawn flight. But this time, we knew that no weather delays or mechanical problems would prevent that flight from taking off at precisely 5.44 a.m. Finally, with just a few minutes to spare, we reached the park on a high green hill overlooking, overlooking the Caribbean Sea. We joined a handful of other early risers around the Millennium Monument, a giant angular stone sundial which was erected in 2000 to commemorate the beginning of a new millennium for the United States. Suddenly, beams of orange and yellow light penetrated the wispy clouds, perfectly framed over a broad expanse of blue water. It was beautiful, stirring, triumphant even. I don't have the words to adequately describe the sight that was before me that day, nor do I have the words to express how I felt in that moment. All I know is as the sun began its ascent over the Caribbean Sea in all its panoramic glory, I felt utterly unprepared for, somewhat unworthy of the awe-inducing spectacle in front of me. It was the kind of experience that makes you realize how big the universe is and how lucky we are to be a part of it. I fiddled with my iPhone camera and choked back a tear. Joy is not in the circumstance, but in the response, said the UU minister, Peggy Clark. She recalled a memorable sunrise of her own that she greeted with cheering and applause. The sun rises every day, like it or not, she said. Being entranced by it is a choice. In what ways do we make this choice? What can we do to better prepare ourselves when it comes? How can we spark joy, sustain it, and spread it? There are many palatable recipes for increasing our capacity for choosing joy. Most include some version of mindfulness, compassion, and gratitude. First, however, perhaps we should take a step back and ask, what is joy? 
and why are we talking about it this morning at UUCL? As Unitarian Universalists, we affirm a living tradition of spirituality drawn from six diverse sources. Among these sources, alongside science, poetry, and scripture, is personal experience. Our doctrine describes this last source more precisely. Direct experience of that transcending mystery and wonder affirmed in all cultures, which moves us to a renewal of the spirit and an openness to the forces which create and uphold life. That sounds to me like a pretty good definition of joy. The way that joy manifests itself is as individual as each of us. Many of us find joy in our family and friends, not always in that order. <laughs> Hi, Mom. <laughs> we feel joy when we spend time in nature, pursue our hobbies and creative outlets, and when we reach beyond all that to serve others. Regardless of the source of our joy, we must be mindful, concentrating on the present moment to fully appreciate it. I recall that sunrise at Point Udall and think, I could have done better. Perhaps I was still a bit groggy. I've never been anywhere near a morning person. Or maybe I had not fully transitioned from the hectic journey to the peaceful destination. And in the interest of full disclosure, I will tell you that another reason I was totally unprepared for the spiritual experience that morning was my intention. The sunrise was the star of the show, of course, but it also was an afterthought. I was in St. Croix, so why not hit one of the area's top tourist destinations? I figured we'd take a short drive, snap some photos, and have a cool social media brag. Hashtag, hey, bet you I saw the sunrise today before you did. On point you'd all that morning, the majesty, the majesty could not be denied. Other times, we have to work a bit harder such as when we're sipping our routine morning cup of tea. If your mind is distracted, you cannot really enjoy the tea, says Zen master Thich Nahan. You have to be mindful of the tea. You have to be concentrated on it, so the tea can reveal its fragrance and wonder to you. That is why mindfulness and concentration are such sources of happiness, he says. Another source of joy is compassion, where we shift our focus from ourselves to others, affirming, as our first principle states, the inherent worth and dignity of every person, and the second principles, justice, equity, and compassion in human relations. We feel joy when we care for others, when we give until it feels good. 
I'm reminded of a story when um, my now grown son was a young middle schooler. It was Christmas Eve, and he shared that he was surprised, taken off guard really, with a previously unfamiliar feeling. That year, for the very first time, he was looking more forward to the gifts he was going to be giving rather than those that he was receiving. That uncomfortable feeling, of course, is the joy of giving. Another essential component of choosing joy is practicing gratitude, regularly acknowledging those things for which we are thankful. In 12 years of research, professor and best-selling author Brene Brown found that those who described themselves as joyful had one thing in common, some kind of gratitude practice. It's not joy that makes us grateful, rather it's gratitude that makes us joyful. I'll say that one again. It's not joy that makes us grateful, rather it's gratitude that makes us joyful. Brown says that to truly feel joy, we must make ourselves vulnerable. Yes, softening into joy is uncomfortable, she says. Yes, it's scary. But every time we allow ourselves to lean into joy and give in to those moments, we build resilience and we cultivate hope. Sometimes those moments are lofty, and sometimes they're trivial, yet memorable. I learned that many years ago in the booth of a Lexington barbecue restaurant. I was a newspaper editor interviewing a young reporter job candidate over lunch. Um, I'll call him Tom because his name is Tom. Um, we were... Tom and I were sipping our iced teas, waiting for our food, when he turned his attention to the line of uh, plastic bottles of barbecue sauce. He grabbed a bottle, raised it to his nose for a sniff, and then inexplicably gave it a hearty squeeze. Red sauce dripped all over his face, covering his glasses onto his white dress shirt. We both froze for a moment. Suddenly, he dropped his head back and started laughing. I'm always doing stupid stuff like that, he said, as he went to clean up his face. In that moment, Tom chose to be vulnerable, to be joyful. And by the end of the day, we had chosen to hire him. After, of course, we dropped him by the hotel for a fresh shirt. <laughs> As the sun rose at Point Udall that day, I wish I had been more vulnerable. I wish I had had the courage to fully explore what I was experiencing and feeling. Instead, I did what so many of us do nowadays when we feel uncomfortable and exposed. I reached for my iPhone. 
If I had it to do over again, I would like to think that I would have felt the feelings and shared them with my trusted friend, if not at the moment, at least on the car ride back. Because although part of all authentic experience is deeply inward, learning to trust what William Ellery Channing called the God within, it's also dependent on the perspective-expanding influence of others. You might say, as the Beatles did, that we get by with a little help from our friends. It certainly is a lot more fun. Think of a particularly joyful moment in your life, and chances are that that experience was profoundly impacted by the people who you were with. And chances are you were with them by choice, which is a joy choice in itself. That's why I think so many of our best stories start with, hold my beer, <laughs> whether that's literally or figuratively. Someone's got to be there to ask, right? For me, as I know is the case for many of you, this church community is the source of many of those influencing friends and occasional beer holders. You know who you are. <laughs> In our UUC vis UUCL vision statement, joyful celebration gets equal billing in the list of what we treasure, right next to free thought, lifelong learning, and generous service. Each week, we share joys and sorrows with the understanding that a joy is multiplied and a sorrow shared is divided. UUA President Susan Frederick Gray says that joy in Unitarian Universalism teaches us to love abundantly and boldly and to remember the saving power of community. When we feel joy, we feel safe. We feel loved, connected. We feel free, she says. And that is the condition we seek for all people. Joy is resistance. Joy is life-saving. Right about now, you may be thinking, isn't it frivolous, irresponsible even to choose joy amidst a crushing abundance of tragedy? Everywhere we turn, in our personal lives and on a global scale, there is unspeakable sorrow. On the contrary, we need to embrace joy now more than ever. We need to channel the poet Mary Oliver and treat joy like life's way of fighting back. I consider myself profoundly grateful to count among my friends and acquaintances individuals who have fought back with a vengeance. I marvel at how some of the most genuinely open-hearted people many in this very congregation have experienced outstanding, astounding tragedy in their lives. 
Take a moment to picture someone you know who exudes warmth and love and openness. My guess is that many of you have pictured someone who has experienced hardship and heartbreak. The thing is, choosing joy does not save us from any of that. In fact, says South African Archbishop Desmond Tutu, we may cry more easily, but we will laugh more easily too. Perhaps we are just more alive. He says, as we discover more joy, we can face suffering in a way that ennobles rather than embitters. We have hardship without becoming hard. We have heartbreak without being heartbroken. Sometimes that takes a concerted effort, as Kentucky author Barbara Kingsolver describes in this passage. In my own worst seasons, I've come back from the colorless world of despair by forcing myself to look hard for a long time at a single glorious thing. A flame of red geranium outside my bedroom window. And then another, my daughter in a yellow dress. And another, the perfect outline of a full dark sphere behind the crescent moon. Until I learn to be in love with my life again. Like a stroke victim retraining new parts of the brain to grasp lost skills, I have taught myself joy over and over again. Choosing joy means different things to each of us and can evolve as we age. For me today, decidedly post-50, choosing joy means saying no more often so that I can say yes to the people and activities that truly nourish my soul. It means that I care less about being right and more about preserving important relationships. You want to snare me in a trivial disagreement? Ain't nobody got time for that. It means that I work harder not to make bad situations worse. If someone cuts me off in traffic nowadays, I'm more inclined to extend an all-good wave instead of that wave that employs maybe just one of my fingers. <laughs> I frequently fall short, of course, but I continue trying, ever cognizant that that is indeed the practice. Once you've prepared and are on the lookout for joy, you have initiated a process that can feed itself. Psychologist Kay Redfield Jameson says that joy has the power to transform us, that it widens our view of the world and expands imaginative thought. It activates, she says, 
It makes both physical and intellectual exploration more likely. Guess what? Physical and intellectual exploration, in turn, make joy more likely, which makes physical and intellectual exploration more likely. And so it goes. I will close with the words of the Reverend Peggy Clark, whose joy in the response sparked the idea for this sermon. Clark was recently named senior minister at the Community Church of New York in New York City. Take a moment to remember. Remember the first time you spoke your truth. Remember the rest you took in the garden. Remember the conversation that went deep into the night. Remember the meal you shared with people you love. Remember the birth of your child. Remember the silence of a morning or the laughter of an evening. Those moments are the wellspring of our work. And there is much work ahead, rights to fight for and wrongs to protest, a planet to protect and people to value. There's a margin that needs to be made center and a center that needs to be made whole. So we need joy. We need to remember that grace abounds and the sun rises in magnificence every day. We need to celebrate the tiny gifts we are given as if the universe shines her great fortune upon us. And we need to celebrate the tiny gifts we give as if we ourselves are the universe. We need to applaud the sunrise until we are propelled back into the world filled with joy. Amen. Blessed be.